Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, and today we have Jack Bosch on the show. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and we're doing this as part of this corona uh, coronavirus investment series. And you know, I thought it was would be interesting to bring you on the show. You know, you do a lot of stuff with real estate and land, and you know, perhaps there might be some opportunity. Uh, you know, in in some of these distressed markets. And you know, before we get into that, just just for the listeners, would love to you know have you share a little bit about who you are, your background, and, and what you do. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you very much, first of all, for having me here. Um, yeah, it's crazy times we live in right now, um, we, to say the least here. So, But it's also times of uh, great opportunity. I'm a big believer that uh, in times of crisis, there's a lot of shift in wealth that's happening. And uh, you can either be on the sidelines and watch it, or you can be actually one of the participants and position yourself such that you're actually on the winning side of things. So my background is that I'm uh, originally from Germany, as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, doesn't sound like uh, any kind of U.S. state. That sounds like me. You're not. You're <laughs> and, not. You're not uh, from Kentucky. No. No. no not way. Kentucky. <laughs> no. Um, although I like Kentucky Fried Chicken, but that's uh, about it. So, um, actually, I don't think I've only been in Kentucky. I think once. Um, one of the few states that I have not been much. Um, anyway, so I, I came from from Germany back about 23 years ago to the U.S. Finished my college degree, got um, got a job, uh, met my wife, uh, who is an immigrant from Honduras herself, from Central America, Honduras. Um, got through the entire job thing, got a got a uh, got a green card finally. But in the process, we were so unhappy about our jobs, kind of like a similar situation. Bloney then 20 years ago, there was a dot com bubble burst, and I was working for a technology company back then. There was a not so big recession, mainly in the technology world. But the company I worked for had let go of a lot of people. And in that time, I didn't lose my job, but a lot of people around me did. And I used that instead of as something to be scared, and I was scared for sure, I used that as a method or as a reason to find something else to do in life that would not put me at the mercy of an employer. So we dabbled around, tried to find a bunch of stuff, and finally um, found a real estate and the niche that we focus on became land flipping because you can actually in land flipping contrary to house flipping you can you can start with all, I mean not contrary to house flipping but for, contrary to house flipping there's almost no almost no competition and um, by focusing on the land that's like let's say below a hundred thousand dollars most of them are free and clear and the owners in many cases don't want them anymore so we pick up land for we basically developed a method to pick up land for five to 25 cents on a dollar from people who have owned it for many years and just don't want to have to do it with them anymore and in this environment there's a lot of them that want to sell their property because they want cash and then we sell them online to platforms like Zillow and uh, and, and, and Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and Land.com and so on. And we sell them and we sell them in two ways, either as a wholesale deal or we sell them with seller financing. Now, this we have done for over 4,000 deals with that. We now teach it, too, for the last 10, 11 years. We teach it to students who are doing deals all over the country. But then also the money that we made in that, we have moved over into other asset classes. So we're using our land flipping as a cash machine and cash flow machine because the second way we sell these properties is with the seller financing. 
So we take a down payment and then make monthly payments. And uh, and I can probably go into that more detail in a moment. But just to summarize it, the profits and the cash flow we made back then got us through the 2008-9 recession without any problems whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we were extremely cash flow liquid, liquid and was enabled us to, to invest a lot of money into the deals that opened up during those crises. And those deals now have all quadrupled houses, apartment complexes, commercial properties, and they all have multiplied in value since then. And uh, so you can basically come, almost make it like a rolling kind of thing. So we now invested in houses, apartment complexes, commercial properties, land flipping, and uh, have built a very nice portfolio out of that. And interesting. And how did you discover that there might be opportunity in land flipping? Like, what was the insight for you around that? Uh, it was really was a coincidence more than anything because we we read all the books and things about about real estate investing and and we came across the concept of wholesaling and and we did the driving for dollars meaning we drove around neighborhoods uh, with a bunch of board, where we found a bunch of boarded up houses and we put one on a contract we 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 wanted to flip it wholesale it just by marking up five thousand dollars but because we didn't really know anything about real estate uh, particularly about American real estate. Like in my home home country in Germany, I grew up without any relation to real estate. My parents bought their house when I was eight years old, and they sold it like five years ago and moved into a condo. They lived in that same house for like 40, uh, 35 years or so. Um, there was no investor mentality anywhere close to where I lived. None of my friends, parents, uh, relatives or so. So I didn't know anything about German real estate, and I knew even less about American real estate even the language I didn't know. So I didn't know how much it costs to estimate repair, how much how much repairs are for a kitchen, a bathroom, a roof, a ceiling, a mold, electric a foundation. And so as a result, we did everything wrong in that first deal and nobody wanted to buy the deal. And then we were tempted to buy it ourselves, but luckily we didn't because we would have lost our shirt. So we just kept looking. So we found tax delinquent, we found tax deeds and tax liens. And and then we had a thought, and, and even that didn't really work for us because at the tax deed auction, we were outbid when we attended. Went to California, attended the tax deed auction. I live in Arizona. We went to California, attended the tax deed auction, and we were outbid by thousands of dollars beyond what we even had in our pocket or had available to us. Then we bought some liens, and they were redeemed three weeks later, and we made like $3.72 in interest. So we were struggling. We were failing from failing, failing. But then one day we had a thought that says like, well, what if somebody truly doesn't like their property anymore, like it had happened in the, like we had seen in the tax delinquent world, in the property tax delinquent world, somebody doesn't want to pay their property taxes because they just don't want that property anymore. What if we surround, circumvent this entire high competition system and send them a letter? And that's what we tried. And we gotten responses and all the responses, every single one of them that we gotten was only from, from land people. So people that had land. It was like, what we do now, right? We didn't have to do it. But, so we wanted to be overly cautious. Yeah. And on the first deal, we uh, the property was worth $8,000, owned, uh, owed like $300 in back taxes. So we offered 400 bucks for the property, including the back taxes. And the guy accepted it and we sold it to the neighbor literally the same day. Well, the day that we bought it, we went up to the property, put a sign on it and sold it to the neighbor for $4,000. So 10 times our money. And we we're like, okay. Okay, that is really cool. Let's do that again. And we did it again. Made uh, bought the property for five hundred bucks and sold it for ten thousand dollars just three weeks later. Again, a piece of land. And after like the first five six pieces of land, we're like, you know what? Forget about houses. They're cool and they're fun and they're sexy and they're everything. But we don't actually have to know anything about repairs 
and we can make, we can build, build our financial independence here with just land flips that we buy at five to 25 cents on a dollar without having to know anything about houses. So we literally shut down, uh, shut out all the houses. And for the next six years, all we focused was land and, uh, and built that up uh, to a very nice monthly cash flow from seller financing and paid off our debts, built up a really nice stash of cash. And, and then when this crash came, we were able to, to continue doing deals. This worked all the way through the crash, but we were able to actually buy stuff at bargain prices then. And are you focusing on land where there's unpaid property tax? Is that the niche or? Not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. Great, great question. At the beginning we did, but then about, let's say, a year into it, we realized that actually, even though we went initially only after tax delinquent people, by the time that we actually sent them their letter, because we do a direct mail process where we get like a 4 to 15% response rate, so a really high response rate. Yeah, that's really and- high. Yeah, it is incredibly high, but it's because there's almost no competition and because there's a lot of people who don't want their properties anymore. Um, and because we have really fine-tuned the letter. We spent a lot of time and a lot of tests on that letter. But we we figured out that, that like, let's say you go to a county and you get a list from the county with 10,000 property owners. We didn't send out 10,000 letters because that would have gotten us, like, a 1,000 phone calls, which is way more than we could handle. So we, we sent them in little chunks. And by the time we got like to the fourth or fifth chunks, a lot of people had actually already paid back their, paid off their back taxes. They kind of like grumbly and grudgingly paid their back taxes one more year. But they really didn't want the property anymore. So we realized that after doing a little analysis of our deals, that 81% of all our deals had actually paid their property taxes by the time we got to them. So we were like, well, if, 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 if we're picking up four out of five properties without back taxes, why do we focus on back tax properties? Let's focus on, and, and since then, we have no longer focused on back tax pro- properties with back taxes. We're focusing on all properties between five dollars and $100,000. That's our sweet spot in market value. And uh, we, we're picking up properties left and right. And, and now our students do the same. So, so just so entertain me for a sec. So let's say you're buying some property for a thousand bucks or something like that. How, what, what kind of analysis are you doing where, you know, maybe when you try to sell it, someone's only want to give you $500 for it? Like, what if it goes the other way? So what, what, what's sort of your preliminary analysis that you are confident you can sell it for a lot more? Well, and I love that you use the word preliminary because that's exactly how we call it. We call it the preliminary value analysis. Okay. Um, so when you buy a property, actually, first of all, we don't even buy the properties. Most of our students now do double closings or assignments. Right? So they they don't buy the properties uh, with their own money. They use the buyer's money in a double closing where they buy and sell on the same day using the buyer's money or they use assignments. So their money is not even at risk. But when we but but either way, let's even if you put your own money down, what you do is the first thing you do once you once you send people a letter and they call you back and then. And we can you can outsource that to a call center. We have a relationship with a great call center that does it for many of our students. But then once they call you back, you need to do that preliminary value analysis. And that what what you're effectively doing is you're looking for for comparables. You're looking for comparables in the area. You're looking for sold comparables. And if there's if there's five other properties, let's say the property is worth ten thousand dollars. And we find out, well, we find out in the area that this quarter acre in this kind of neighborhood is worth that other five lots in the area sold in the last, let's say, half a year for $10,000. Mm-hmm. Then we're, we have our value. Then we know that the property is truly worth $10,000 because other people have paid $10,000 for similar properties in a similar area 
in their most in their very recent time frame. Just like with houses, you do comps. Right. Now, there's the, several other ways that yeah, you do ahead. comps. If, mm-hmm. if there's non-available, then you can look work with listed comps. You can also work through the assessed value to back into the value. You can work by property size, and you can. There's like five, six different ways that we get to the value of the property, and usually we apply at least two, if not three, of them to make truly sure that we are correct in our valuation. Okay. So if two or three different methods uh, show us, like if if there's properties listed for $13,000 and there's properties sold for $10,000 and uh, say this is in Florida and the assessed value is $9,000, in Florida the assessed value is about 90% of market value. So if it's assessed at $9,000 and then we know the value should be around to $10,000. If we see sold properties, similar properties have sold for $10,000, and we see some listed properties for $12,000, because listed properties are usually, the sale price is usually a little bit lower than the list, the asking price. So if they're listed for $12,000, we subtract like 20%, and we get to the $10,000. And at that point, we have three different methods, all point us to a value of of $10,000. So if that property is worth, and that's like your example, usually we'd like to target a little bit higher proper, higher value properties. But sure. in that case, I would indeed offer about $900 or $1,000 on that property, about 10 cents on a dollar. And then chances are extremely, extremely, extremely low that somebody's only going to offer us $500 because we have established beyond any reasonable doubt that the property is worth $10,000. So if I can, I have now two right. choices. I can put this property on the market for five or $6,000, and sell it very quickly because it's a bargain in the area. Right? Let's say it's an area full of like a little bit more rural area, perhaps uh, a half an hour or so outside of a bigger city where lots sell for these $10,000, where there's where you can put a mobile home on there. And this is attractive for a lot of retirees potentially that can't afford the high cost city living. They wanna be not too far away from the city, but they wanna have something. So they'll pick that up for five, $6,000 like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The second option would be to take that property and sell it for $10,000 with with owner financing and offer it, give me a $1,000 down payment and do monthly payments of $250 a month for the next four years and the property is paid off. And that is, that, is the other, that is the other way. And that actually provides you, if you do this the right way, you actually get the down payment pays for what you paid for the property. Basically, you paid the thousand, you get a thousand as a down payment. And sometimes even more, you can get 1500 And if there's some closing costs, it covers that too. Like one of our students right now got a property in a contract that's worth $50,000. And he pay, and he has it on a contract for $1,980. Mm. So there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to sell that thing for probably about $40,000. We sell a finance and get a four dollars to $6,000 down payment and monthly payments of 500 bucks for the next 10 years or 12 years. And that's a beautiful cash flow, cash flow picture. Right. So why? So let's say I'm I'm the seller. Like I own this piece of property. Now, why would I sell? So and you know you think it's worth about ten thousand dollars. Why would I sell it to you for a thousand? Many many reasons. One reason is uh, our number one reason is often that. uh, No, the number three, the top three reasons. There's number one. A lot of buyers own this property. A lot of sellers. I'm sorry. A lot of sellers own these properties for like twenty, thirty years already. Okay. They were planning to retire in that area themselves, but for whatever reason, it might be the spouse has passed away or, or just a happy reason that the, that the grandchildren are born in the, in the area and they want, don't want to leave anymore and that they're not wanting to move anymore. 
then the second reason might be that they've gotten uh, they've gotten inherited it. So the parents passed away. The children are now living in New York City or living in Atlanta and in the properties in Texas. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to be there. And they don't want to pay the property taxes anymore. Now, could they list their properties themselves? That's yes, what I was going to ask. Why, why don't they just list it? Yeah. They, they could. But most people don't are not investors. Most people don't think like that. Or if they thought like that. You, 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 I would invite everyone to go look at some listings on Zillow. Go into the rural area or into just outside of a city. These listings, in other words, stink. They are absolutely ugly. There's nothing attractive about these listings. And one of the things that we teach our students and we do in our business is that we actually list these properties such that they actually tell a story, that they actually appeal to the people, that they actually show what's around it. And what most of these people do is they just show a picture of a piece of dirt and then say, this is available, build your house, call me. And nobody, and then they don't offer any owner financing, they don't offer any discounts, they're asking for $10,000, and it's a butt ugly listing, and so nobody buys it. We actually have students that go into, our, go into Zillow buy properties, uh, go, do, do rock bottom offers to people that sell their properties there, just take the property, relist it with our method and sell it for more than it was listed before in a matter of two weeks. No, Jack, I think it's funny that you're saying this because I've looked through Zillow before when, you know, even just looking at like an apartment rental or something, you know, like that. And I, I have many times come across, um, just something that was like a, a chunk of land somewhere in some town I never heard of. And nine out of 10 times, if not more, it was like the ugliest listing, very unprofessional. It was just this like blurry image of like some grass somewhere. And, and it, I, I get it. I get it. Exactly uh, right. Now, now, now so I'm, I'm also curious about something. So let's say I'm the landowner. Is 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 it that these are too small for say like a professional broker to take on? Will they just not waste their time with like a small, with a parcel of land that might be only worth $10,000? Like, can they uh, get help? Yeah, that, that's part of it. Uh, so also, by the way, the, the, the third reason is like people need money, Like People need money, especially right. during this coronavirus times right now. And that's why we want to talk about specifically about that. Yeah. We actually have seen a, a substantial uptick in sellers' responses. We usually get a good uptick, but right now, a good, good response rate of 4 to 15%. But right now, we get even more deals, more people calling us back, more deals are being expected, accepted, and we can actually cherry pick our deals. And on the, on the selling side, actually, people, there's a lot of people looking for land because they're all sitting at home and they're bored. They can't watch sport, they can't watch. Um, they can't stand the media anymore. Uh, they're basically uh, spending time online and surfing around and, and they're having conversations. And like and a piece of land of like a 10 acre, 20 acre piece of land out in an hour away from the town or even outside of town where there's coronavirus, where they can, uh, for the people that like the outdoors, sounds like a fantastic thing right now because even RV camps are closed. Campgrounds are closed. So there's this is very very attractive to a lot of people the stock market is down people are like moving money out of the stock market it's like where else do i put it and then quite a few and we have seen exactly the same thing in 2008 9 10 that money has actually moved that money has moved into the into the into the land space not the price uh, but 
But so, but people just want a little bit more of the owner financing because they want to commit all their money in there. But the demand for land has actually not gone away in 2009, 10, 11. Just the way you sell them is a little bit different, a little bit more of a seller financing. Right. So and this is this is a big reason. But uh, yeah. sorry, your question was again. Um, yeah, it is well. So so now it opens up two things. So uh, before I get to my question, before and then on the. The flip side of what you're saying is if I'm someone who needs some capital, maybe I just lost my job or maybe you know my retirement's down a lot and I just need to raise some capital, getting rid of a piece of property that I'm not even using in the first place will also help guys like you. Right. It, 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 it removes your need, your liability of having to pay property taxes right. as a seller and it puts your cash in the pocket because not every deal obviously we buy for 400 bucks. We right. we can pay we can pay people twenty thousand dollars. We can offer twenty thousand dollars on a sixty seventy thousand dollar property, no problem. And that's real money for people that get them sure. through this. And uh, and then they're and uh, for something exactly as you said that they that they don't even want anymore. And then you put them around. If it's worth seventy, you buy it for twenty. You put it on the market for forty. Um, somebody else is looking for exactly right that jumps on it and has their place outside of the city. Uh, and and you just made uh, you just made twenty thousand dollars in the process. Yeah. So my yeah. My, so my question. Thank, thank you. Yeah, that, that clears it up. So my my question before was, are these properties? You know, if, if I'm selling, if I'm selling the property yes, and I don't want to list it, is it is it just that a broker is not going to want to work with me because it's not worth their time? Or no, brokers do ex- accept them, but the brokers who accept them are usually what, what usually happens is that somebody has a neighbor in the area, or somebody just picks up the call and calls a brokerage in the area where the property is, mm-hmm. and just says, "Hey, I want to I want to list my property." Yeah, but like, why, why brokers, want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, and most of these brokers, though, are house brokers. And the way you list the property, <clears throat> sorry, okay. a quick sip of water. All right, I'm drinking tea the over way, here. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the, way, the way you list these properties, as I mentioned earlier, is, is quite different. Right? We list these land properties by telling a story. Yeah. Right? We're telling a story of where it's located, what's close by, what you can do in the area, what you can do, where's the next grocery store, where's the next me- uh, medical hospital, where's the next... Um, uh, where's the next of things? Because the kinds of properties we focus on is number one, in the outskirts of town, what we call the path of growth. Number two, it's a big, larger acreage in more rural areas, which is attractive for the for the recreational buyers. And number three, it is infill lots. So the infill lots are the easiest to sell because the builders are actually stocking up on land in environments like we have right now. Like the builders, particularly the bigger builders that have deeper pockets, they're buying. Like in the 2008 and nine downturn. The builders like Toll Brothers, D.R. Horton, they raised a billion dollars each and went shopping for bigger pieces of land. The mid-sized buyers, they're the ones that buy more infill lots. But these kind of, but anyway, back to the realtors. The realtors are, typically what happens is you call a realtor and it's a house realtor. The house realtor knows that in order to sell a house, they get a photographer in, they stage the house, they, uh, they take nice pictures, they put it on the MLS, and they do a broker open and then do an open house and then it sells itself. You can't do any of those things on a piece of land. Right. So therefore, they don't know what they do. So they take they, they actually treat it like 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 Cinderella, like this uh, the evil stepdaughter, like uh, the evil stepmom treats the treats Cinderella. They treat it just like yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take your listing, whatever. Perhaps somebody buys it. They take one of these blurry active blurry shots from like Google Earth or yeah. Google Street or Google Maps. They don't even go out there themselves. And then they subsequently, and, and of course, we don't need to go out there ourselves. I haven't gone and looked at the property for, 
for for 13 years anyway, I think. We buy them sight unseen and we even have students in Germany doing it right now. But again, the realtors just put a slap on an ugly picture, put a listing, put the things on, and then if it's a hot area, it'll eventually perhaps still sell and then they get the little commission, but they just take it on for the relationship with a client because down the road, perhaps they get another deal from them. They don't take it on as with any kind of knowledge or intention to sell this, to do to go full out and market this property properly. Right. Right. And then is so it as a result, they sit yeah. there and they're ugly. Yeah. And then does it typically take a long, like a much, a much longer time to sell that uh, piece of property as well if they want to get it off their hands? Uh, that, that's it what depends. Okay. We have seen property sell in two days. We've seen property sit for three months, right? So, I'm still, so take... I'm, still, I'm still unclear then. So, right, if I'm a property owner, I want to just, I don't want to pay property taxes anymore. Whatever my reason is, I just don't want this property that I'm not using anymore. Uh-huh. So the, what's the, what's the, why, why would I go with you over just a, you know, calling up a, a real estate agent or a broker and saying, Hey, can you just list, list my property? Is it that I think it's going to take too long to sell or, or what, what's, what's, well, many, many owners have actually tried the realtor route and it mm-hmm. has not let anywhere. Got it. Okay. So they're already, they're already done. They've been there, done that. They don't want to deal with that anymore. So a lot, they a lot just of these people have actually the tried property. that route you're saying. Yes, they have tried that route. So when we come in the picture, we don't offer them a listing. It's the other thing. A listing is not a promise to purchase. Right. A listing is is just a listing. When we come in, we offer them an actual purchase contract. And we offer them an actual dollar amount. And what we do, though, is because there's no competition. This is a completely different thinking than house flipping. Yep. House flippers are out there say, like, we buy your house in seven days. Well, we know the exact opposite. We basically say, hey, we want to buy your right buy your lot. Here's here's the price. And they sign it because we are actually not looking for people that are in severe distress. We're looking for people that just don't want their properties anymore. They have owned these properties free and clear. They just don't want these properties anymore. And yes, if somebody says, I'll give it to you for 10 cents, but I need to close in three weeks, we'll come up with the money. We just buy it and we own it. Right. Not a problem. Yeah. But usually what we do is we actually have in our purchase contract a close of escrow of six months down the road, which gives us plenty of time to market the property. And then we go out there and if we do our job right of marketing the property, it should sell anywhere between two days and let's say three, four weeks. Now, the properties that sit for longer either have done the following. They have not offered seller financing and the price is too high still, or they're just in areas where properties are slower, which is the first thing we teach our students to not do. So we go, but I look at our students, sometimes they, they have some that sit a little longer, but the average is like properties sell fairly quickly. And uh, within, let's say, a, a couple, three weeks, two to four weeks, they should sell. And at that point, it's actually a great news for the seller, right? The seller yeah. gets the property off. He gets within four or five weeks, he gets his money. Uh, he's super excited. And that's 10 times better than going with a realtor that's just going to slap some ugly thing, particularly if he has done it already without any results. It's fa- fascinating, Jack. So if, if someone wants to get uh, into this and learn more about how to do this, um, you offer some resources, you... How, how would people actually get into learning about this? Yeah, so we have two we have two places that you can go. Both are free. Uh, you can go to the website Land Profit Fun, F-U-N. Okay. So Land, L-A-N-D, Profit, like the word profit, uh, and then Fun, F-U-N.com. And you can watch there. You can uh, you can re- register to watch some videos and stuff like that. Or we also have a Facebook and also have a podcast called the Forever Cash Life Real, uh, Real Estate Podcast. Oh, great. So Forever Cash Life we talk about that. 
But the third thing is then we have a Facebook group called Land Profit Generator Real Estate Group, which is completely free to join. You can't sell anything in there. You can't. Uh, it's purely just our students are hanging out there. And in that group, there's like literally hundreds, I don't know, hundreds, but there's a lot of our really, really successful students hanging out there and helping each other and helping newbies and helping helping everyone and, and posting their deals. And, and it's just a really giving environment where we help each other. That's awesome. So I'm going to ask you after we're done, if you just email me all that, and then I will put up those links on the show notes at uh, ericschlein.com slash podcast. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, is there anything else that, you you know, while while we have you on here, is there anything else you you thought would be valuable to share or, or talk about? Well, the most important thing I want to share is that in these times of the coronavirus and, and quarantine and stay at home and things like that, what what really made our transition really completely painless right now is that we have a business that, and our students too, they have a business that works from home and uh, is completely virtual. I don't know if I mentioned that, like everything we do is virtual. We look at these properties to Google Earth, Google Street View, Google Maps, uh, Google County websites. Uh, we contact the owners by letter. We They call us back. Uh, you can outsource that. We send them offers by mailing we close with the title companies. We sell these properties online. Everything in this can be done from home. And it's actually, it has proven that it works through recessions because we have carried this business all the way through the 2008 and nine recession. So this is really, uh, that's why right, it's important. The, the, the adjustments in the COVID environment you need to make is, is only that we actually get to buy more properties cheaper right now or put them on a contract cheaper than we ever have. Uh, and the sale prices have not given in yet. They might give in half a year from now if you're still not out of this, but even then you buy cheaper and you sell cheaper. So all I wanted to say is that uh, when you are in an environment like that, you can, as I said at the beginning, you can, you, you really want to look around uh, and look around and see what can I do with my time that I have right now? What can I do if you don't like the situation that you're in right now? What can I do to position myself in a way that I gain complete independence from the outside world, a complete independence of the economy, and you can really create your own economy for you at home. And and real estate can do that, but certain real estates can can do that better than not. Like my apartment complexes right now are suffering a little bit because yeah. there's tenants and they might not pay rent and, and things like that. So, so far, we haven't seen it yet. They're doing all very well, but, but we're expecting there's some sufferance going to happen in the next few months. Versus the land business is like there's no way there's no tenants, there's no toilets, there's no termites, there's no mold, there's no inspectors, there's no appraisers, there's no there's none of these things. So so look for businesses that are as little um, little red tape, as little overhead uh, as possible that you can do in any kind of financial environment. And you'll find you found something that you can carry uh, that you can do and provide financial independence for your family, uh, no matter what the economy does. Yeah, you're basically doing land arbitrage, is what I would say. <laughs> basically, yes, absolutely, yeah. yes. Very cool. All right, well, Jack, it's been such a pleasure, and uh, you know, really appreciate uh, you sharing all this knowledge and and being willing to be so generous to to share this with people as well. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I really enjoyed this. My pleasure. All right, take it easy, Jack. Thank you. Yeah, bye. 
Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.